Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday, April the 5th, 2019. Almost exactly a year ago, on April the 18th, 2018, the Lancet published UK research, which caused a furore worldwide as it highlighted, importantly, how there seemed to be no safe limit for alcohol consumption. Adverse health outcomes were associated with even very low or moderate alcohol consumption. Just yesterday, April the 4th, The Lancet publishes another paper, this time from China, which showed very clearly that there is no such thing as a safe level of alcohol consumption. In other words, busting that myth that's been around for some decades now that moderate alcohol consumption could actually be cardioprotective. I think it's fair to say now that the totality of the evidence does not support that. The accompanying comment from authors at the University of Hong Kong commenting on the Chinese research is also very interesting because it takes very much a public health perspective and it's looking at whether we should be now talking about something akin to tobacco control. In other words, possibly a framework convention for alcohol control, as there has been the World Health Organization's framework convention for tobacco control. Controversial maybe, but certainly very interesting and something we're going to hear a lot more about. So earlier I spoke to one of the authors of the comment alongside the Chinese research. Here he is introducing himself. Hi, I'm Professor Lam Tai Heng, Chair Professor of Community Medicine and Sir Robert Cotwell, Professor in Public Health from the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us, uh, Professor Lam. And you're one of the authors of a comment published in The Lancet Thursday, April the 4th, in connection with a research article based on Chinese research, very interesting genetic research coming out of China, which looks like it's another piece in the jigsaw puzzle of... of uh, highlighting how there is no cardioprotective effect of any level of alcohol at all. Is that correct? Is that the basic conclusion of, of the study that you've assessed in The Lancet? Yes, this is correct. And uh, at least it is very clear for stroke that there is uh, no protection. And then for heart diseases, actually the evidence is showing that the apparent association or protection in period studies are very likely due to extraneous factors, meaning that maybe moderate drinkers are more self-restrained, they're more health-conscious, and any the so-called protective effects in moderate alcohol drinkers are not likely due to the beneficial effects of alcohol. In fact, in other words, the overall evidence from this paper, as well as some previous papers in the recent months from the Lancet, come up with a very clear overall evidence that there is no safe use of alcohol. Yeah, no, that's very clear. Thank you. And, and yes, you're right. The Lancet has published at least two studies on this in, in the past 12 months. But just to be clear here, we're talking about a myth that, well, certainly a message that has been around for at least 20 years, that moderate alcohol consumption could somehow be cardioprotective. And the alcohol industry has... has obviously benefited from that message but it's saying that light or any alcoholic consumption has no um, particularly with regard to stroke has no protective effect yeah this is actually quite true because the term harmful use of alcohol has been used for many years and it also appear in the united nations summit 
meeting in 2011, the four major risk factors of cardiovascular diseases and non-communicable diseases in general are smoking, unhealthy diet, and physical inactivity, and harmful use of alcohol. So the term harmful use is quite misleading because it implies that there's safe use of alcohol. But there's no safe use of tobacco. So that's why I advocate that the term harmful use should be deleted uh, from this point onwards so as not to mislead the public that there is safe use of alcohol. Any alcohol use is harmful. Okay, thank you. You've made that point very clearly. Just before we talk about the policy implications, just another couple of moments, if you would, about the current study from China. Can you just mention briefly, because um, the specific genotypes that uh, exist uh, in, in some Chinese people lends itself to researching this, this very important research question. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. In fact, it used genetic factor as a proxy of alcohol consumption. And that is the unique part of this paper that it has results from both the conventional epidemiology and also using the genetic data to clarify the associations between alcohol consumption and cardiovascular diseases, whether such associations are apparent or causal. And the results are now very clear that the previously observed so-called protective associations are not likely to be real. What is real is that there's no safe use of alcohol and the apparently protective effects are likely due to extraneous factors. And this study is quite unique in the sense that uh, it can be conducted successfully in China because the genetic variants related to lower alcohol metabolism is much more common in Chinese than in the West. So this paper with a very large sample size and vigorous methods can clearly show very robust results. And just to be clear, not finding a protective effect, particularly against stroke, which was the strongest finding, it was a bit borderline, wasn't it, concerning heart attack, uh, but not finding any protective effect. Is that the same thing as saying that alcohol is harmful? Yes, because the harmfulness of alcohol is not just confined no, uh, to whether it is on heart disease or not. It is definitely harmful with, for example, heavy use of alcohol. But at the same time, alcohol is a human carcinogen. It can cause many types of cancer in humans. And if you look at cancer, there's no safe use of any carcinogens at all. There's no safe limit. Any consumption of any carcinogens is harmful. And the more consumption means greater harm. Final question, as you intriguingly point to in your comments, you're calling for something quite bold in terms of um, policy, health policy here. You refer to the World Health Organization's work for creating a framework convention for tobacco control, the FTFC for tobacco, which has been very high profile over the past few years. Just Tell us how you envisage how, with our knowledge now, particularly with the studies published in The Lancet over the past year or so, how you would see a framework convention for alcohol working. And we have to say, this isn't something that could be magicked out of thin air. It would take a long time to 
to come to fruition, even if it was successful? Yes, this is true. The very successful framework convention on tobacco control, this is actually the first global health treaty under the World Health Organization. And in fact, it's the most widely embraced treaty under the United Nations. So it covers now about 90% of the world population. And as the four major risk factors of non-communicable diseases, in fact, tobacco use is the only one which has been showing good progress and increasing momentum, many thanks to the FCTC. So that's why if we are really serious about alcohol control, then we should learn from the FCTC. Of course, at the moment, an FCAC sounds like a mission impossible, but the FCTC was also like that a few decades ago. So we recognize that alcohol control would be more difficult and complex than tobacco control. But we should now have a vision. And a vision is a key to an impossible mission. So we would say that it's not whether we need or don't need an FCAC. The challenge is on how to move forward and overcome all the barriers. And the first step is for us to unite, to advocate for a framework convention on alcohol control. And how do you do that? based on the totality of the evidence that we have, including the current Chinese study that you've reviewed in The Lancet, how does the world come together? In fact, the publication of the current paper and our commentary in The Lancet is a very major first step that we all need to do so. And I would say more and more people, in fact, are thinking along this line. And so we should unite all the people who want an FA. Uh, FCAC to unite and to, for example, write to the WHO. Biological extension, I mean, we have the Framework Convention for Tobacco Control, but that's not the same as making tobacco illegal. People can still choose to buy tobacco, uh, I think, in all countries of the world. I don't think it's illegal anywhere. And we know that in some populations, smoking tobacco use has dropped, but there are other countries, emerging economies, where it can, is a real problem. Do you envisage a world in 10, 20, 30 years' time, ideally where alcohol is, is prohibited? We don't anticipate that alcohol can be prohibited in the next few decades. But coming back to tobacco, there are already countries which have put forward what we call the end games. So we are all working eventually to control tobacco to a level so low, then we can begin to ban tobacco altogether. In fact, humans have made a very serious mistake for allowing tobacco to have killed so many people and to kill so many people even today in the next few decades. The solution for public health is to ban tobacco together and we need a timetable for that. And then alcohol control should follow what we are doing for tobacco. Well, it, this is a fascinating area, Professor Lam. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comment in The Lancet. We hope to talk to you again. Okay, thank you very much indeed.